All right, turn to Proverbs chapter 11 this morning again. Proverbs chapter 11. Been studying chapter uh, verse 10. When it goeth well with the righteous, the wicked, or excuse me, when it goeth well with the righteous, the city rejoiceth. And when the wicked perish, there is shouting, rejoicing, happiness. Now verse 11, By the blessing of the upright, the city is exalted, but it is overthrown by the mouth of the wicked. Now one of the most significant words of interest to every Israelite and should be of interest to every believer in the Old Testament is the word blessing. Everybody's interested in the blessing of God. And uh, this verse uh, is uh, speaking of how God's blessing upon individuals actually exalts the city or uh, the community or the nation in which they're found. But in contrast, the wicked and his mouth overthrow the city. That brings it to ruin. Now, verse 10 really couples with verse 11. You can see the similar theme. It really is the two uh, Proverbs are synonymous in that uh, they are synonymous one with the other. It's simply repeating the same idea in different words, approaching it from a little different direction. But it's focusing in on the fate of the city rather than the individual in uh, verse 11, whereas the, uh, the individual uh, is more in focus in verse 10. Now, it itself is uh, an antithetical distich. It's uh, a contrast, contrasting the blessing of the upright and the mouth of the wicked in this particular case. Now the word blessing is the word baraka. From the word barak, which means to kneel, and thus by kneeling blessing God. The word means prosperity. It means uh, uh, generally blessing coming from the greater to the lesser. God blesses man. When it speaks of man blessing God, what man is doing is acknowledging that blessing comes from God. The greater blesses the lesser. The idea is to bestow or to confer abundant and effective life on someone. Uh, whatever whatever we think is, uh, um, is, is rich and good, we would refer to as blessing. And God, of course, would see beyond that and see some things that we wouldn't even see and call that blessing. Sixty-three times in the Old Testament it's translated blessing. And we find it a number of places in the book of Proverbs. Chapter 10 and verse 6, blessings are on the head of the just but violence covers the mouth of the wicked. Again, 
uh, and antithesis here, where the blessing comes, as far as the righteous are concerned, violence as far as the wicked is concerned. Again, the focus is on the mouth of the wicked. Verse 7, the memory of the just is blessed, but the name of the wicked shall rot. Verse 22 of chapter 10, it says, The blessing of the Lord, it maketh rich, and he addeth no sorrow with it. Uh, 25 of, uh, verse 25 of chapter 11 says this, the liberal soul, that's Baraka. It's uh, the soul of blessing, literally. The soul of blessing shall be made fat, and he that watereth shall be watered also himself. Verse 26 of chapter 11. He that withholdeth grain, the people shall curse him, but blessing shall be on the head of him that selleth it. Jump over to chapter 24. Chapter 24 and verse 25. But to those who rebuke him, uh, going back, picking up the hymn, He that saith unto the wicked, Thou art righteous, him shall the people curse, nations shall abhor him. But to those who rebuke him shall be delight, and good blessing shall come upon him. The one that rebukes the wicked. Chapter 28 and verse 20. A faithful man shall abound with blessings, but he that maketh haste to be rich shall not be innocent. All right. Now, always in the Old Testament, God is seen as the ultimate source of all blessing. Now, I want to give you a series of statements this morning, and then I, we want to turn to some scripture to put them together. But I want, to, I want you to kind of see the sequence here. First of all, God controls all blessing and cursing. Number two, his presence confers blessing. Number three, only his name can bring blessing. Number four, those who are wicked cannot bless. Well, let's add one other word. Nor be blessed. Number five. Those who are blessed manifest God's uh, he said which is kindness and emet 
which is faithfulness. And finally, when a person relies on the covenant or on the existence of the covenant without manifesting the nature of God is to bless oneself and court disaster. Right? Now, let's uh, look at some scriptures. First of all, God controls blessing and cursing. Perhaps this is seen as clearly as anything in the book of Numbers. Numbers chapter 22. Now, in chapter 22, you have the story of uh, uh, Balaam. And Balaam, of course, was a, near as we can tell, a backslidden prophet of God. And uh, Balaam was, uh, uh, somehow had, had uh, uh, certain powers that, that were related to the prophet, and uh, yet had become a hireling prophet. That is, he, he utilized the gift that apparently had come from God um, to simply market that gift. That's called the error of Balaam. Uh, and uh, the error of Balaam is, is uh, the, I mentioned in Jude chapter 11, um, and all he, could, all he could see was a, was a natural morality. He, he figured that a holy God had to curse the people of Israel because they weren't uh, walking in fellowship with him. And uh, yet he was, he was uh, totally ignorant of the concept of sacrifice and atonement which God had provided for the nation. Uh, they were not a perfect people, uh, but they did have a system of sacrifices uh, that would bring, uh, would bring them uh, ultimately the blessing of God. They did have the uh, the provision of God as uh, uh, with a substitute in mind. And then there's, there's also in Revelation 2 mentioned the doctrine of Balaam. The doctrine of Balaam is in some ways uh, more dangerous than the error of Balaam. Uh, the error of Balaam simply being uh, Balaam's attitude toward what God should do and he was wrong. Uh, the doctrine of Balaam is the idea that um, if you if you can't curse the people, uh, then what you do is you allow the the uh, 
uh, your, your women to seduce the men of the nation and uh, lead the nation into deeper sin and into idolatry, corrupt the people, and thus bring the curse of God upon them because of that, uh, that uh, vile sin. And so uh, Balaam's a good picture of one who, who approaches something from a natural reasoning. But now the, the, the story is such that uh, Balak, the son of Zippor, uh, saw how the nation of Israel had been successful in overcoming the Amorites. And uh, he decided that he had, to, he had to do something to short-circuit them. And so he hired Balaam. Um, it says in verse 5, He sent messengers therefore unto Balaam, the son of Beor, in uh, Pathor, which is by the river in the land of, of the children of his people, to call him, saying, Behold, there is a people come out of Egypt. Behold, they cover the face of the earth, and they abide over against me. Come now, I therefore, and pray, and curse for me this people, for they are too mighty for me. Perhaps I shall prevail that we may smite them, that I may drive them out of the land, for I know that he whom thou blessest is blessed, and he whom thou cursest is cursed. Now, exactly what Balaam had done to demonstrate that he had had this ability to bless and curse, we don't know entirely, but we know that uh, Balak certainly believed in him. And the elders of Moab and the elders of Midian departed with the rewards of divination in their hand, and they came unto Balaam and spake, uh, spake unto him the words of Balak. And he said unto them, Lodge here this night, I will bring you word again, as the Lord shall speak unto me. And the princes of Moab abode with Balaam. And God came unto Balaam and said, What men are these with thee? And Balaam said unto God, Balak the son of Zippor, king of Moab, hath said unto me, saying, Behold, there is a people come out of Egypt, who covereth the face of the earth. Come now, curse them for me. Perhaps I shall overcome them and drive them out. And God said unto Balaam, Thou shalt not go with them. Thou shalt not curse the people, for they are blessed. God has chosen as the greater to bless the lesser, to bless the people. And Balaam rose up in the morning and said unto the princes of Balak, Get you into your land, for the Lord refuseth to give me leave to go with you. And he just turned them down. All right? The princes of Moab rose up, they went on to Balak and said, Balaam refuses to come with us. Good start. All right. And Balak sent yet again princes more and more honorable than they. And they came to Balaam and said unto him, Thus saith Balak, son of Zippor, Let nothing, I pray thee, hinder thee from coming unto me. For I will promote thee unto a very great honor. I will do whatsoever thou sayest unto me. Come therefore, I pray thee, Curse for me this people. He's begging him and bribing him. And Balaam uh, answered and said unto the servants of Balak, If Balak would give his house full of silver and gold, I cannot go beyond the word of the Lord my God to do less or more. Now therefore I pray you, tarry ye also this night, that I may know what the Lord will do unto me. Uh, say unto me more. And, the, and God came to Balaam at night and said unto him, if the men come to call thee, rise up and go with them. But yet the word which I shall say unto thee, thou shalt, uh, uh, that shalt thou do. Balaam rose up in the morning, saddled his ass, went with the princes of Moab. 
and God's anger was kindled because he went. And the angel of the Lord stood in the way for an adversary against him. Now he was riding upon his ass, and his two servants were with him. The ass saw the angel of the Lord standing in the way, and his sword drawn in his hand. The ass turned aside out of the way and went into the field. Balaam smote the ass to turn her in the way. But the angel of the Lord stood in the path of the vineyards, a wall be on this side and a wall on that side. And when the ass saw the angel of the Lord, she thrust herself into the wall and crushed Balaam's foot against the wall. And he smote her again. He just bumped against the wall. He wasn't about to go forward. Uh, the, the donkey had more sense than the prophet. And the angel of the Lord went further and stood in a narrow place where there was no way to turn, either the right hand or the left. When the ass saw the angel of the Lord, she fell down under Balaam. And Balaam's anger was kindled. He smote the ass with a staff. And the Lord opened the mouth of the ass, and she said unto Balaam, That must have been a surprise. What have I done unto thee that thou hast smitten me these three times? Remember that story on uh, TV, Mr. Ed? Uh, well, you know, I don't think he, the, the owner of Mr. Ed was much more surprised or, uh, than, than Balaam was here. And Balaam said unto the ass, Because thou hast mocked me, I would there were a sword in my hand, for now would I kill thee. Now this crazy prophet carrying on a conversation with that donkey, you know. You think the donkey's crazy, you ought to see Balaam. And the ass said unto Balaam, Am not I thine ass, upon which thou hast ridden ever since I was, in thy, uh, I was thine unto this day? Was I ever accustomed to do so unto thee? And he said, Nay. Then the Lord opened the eyes of Balaam. He unveiled the eyes. And saw, he saw the angel of the Lord standing in the way, and his sword drawn in his hand. And he bowed down his head and fell flat on his face. And the angel of the Lord said unto him, Wherefore hast thou smitten thine ass these three times? Behold, I was out to withstand thee, because thy way is perverse before me. And the ass saw me, and turned from me these three times, unless she had turned from me. Surely now also I had slain thee and saved her alive. And you're the guy that ought to die, not the donkey. And Balaam said unto the angel of the Lord, I have sinned, for I know not that thou stoodest in the way against me. Now therefore, if I displease thee, I'll return again. The angel said unto Balaam, Go with the men, but only the word that I shall speak unto thee, that shall thou speak. So Balaam went with the princes of Balak. Now earlier, remember it said that God said, go ahead and go, but only speak the word. The fact that the Lord's anger was kindled with Balaam and the fact that he had the, the, uh, the, the donkey problem uh, is an indication that in his heart, as he went, he had, he had determined that he was going to speak his word rather than the word of the Lord. He was going to earn the money by cursing uh, the nation of Israel. And when Balak heard that Balaam was come, he went out to meet him in the city of Moab, which is in the border of Arnon, which is in the utmost boundary. Balak said unto Balaam, Did I not earnestly send unto thee to call thee? Wherefore camest thou not unto me? Am I not able indeed to promote thee to honor? Balaam said unto Balak, Lo, I am come unto thee. Have I now any power at all to say anything? The word that God putteth in my mouth, that shall I speak. And Balaam went with Balak, 
And they came to Kiriath-Huzoth. And Balak offered oxen and sheep and sent to Balaam and to the princes that were with him. And it came to pass on the next day that Balak took Balaam, brought him up in the high places of Baal, that there he might see the utmost part of the people. And Balaam said unto Balak, Build me here seven altars, and prepare me here seven oxen and seven rams. And Balak did as Balaam had spoken. And Balak and Balaam offered on every altar a bullock and a ram. And Balaam said unto Balak, Stand by the burnt off, thy burnt offering, and I will go. Perhaps the Lord will come to meet me, and whatsoever he showeth me, I will tell thee. He went up unto a high place, and God met Balaam, and said unto him, I have prepared, uh, I have prepared seven altars, I have offered upon every altar a bullock and a ram. And the Lord put a word in Balaam's mouth, and said, Return unto Balak, and thus shalt thou speak. He returned unto him, and lo, he stood by the burnt sacrifice, he and all the princes of Moab. And he took up his parable and said, Balak, the son of Moab, hath brought me from Aram out of the mountains of the east, saying, Come, curse for me, Jacob, and come, defy Israel. How shall I curse whom God hath not cursed? Or how shall I defy whom the Lord hath not defied? For from the top of the rocks I see him, and from the hills I behold him. Lo, the people shall dwell alone and shall not be reckoned among the nations who can count the dust of Jacob and the number of the fourth part of Israel. Let me die the death of the righteous and let my last end be like his. And Balak said unto Balaam, Why hast, What hast thou done unto me? I took thee to curse my enemies and behold thou hast blessed them all together. And he answered and said, Must I not take heed to speak that which the Lord had put in my mouth? Balak said unto him, Try again. Come, I pray thee, with me unto another place from whence thou may see them. Thou shalt see but the utmost part of them and shalt not see them all and curse them from, uh, for me from there. And brought him into the field of Zophim, the top of Pisgah, and built seven altars and offered a bullock and a ram at every altar. He said unto Balak, Stand here by the burnt offering while I meet the Lord yonder. The Lord met Balaam, put a word in his mouth and said, Go again to Balak and say thus, when he came to him, behold, he stood by his burnt offering, and the prince of Moab with him. Balak said unto him, What hath the Lord spoken? He took up the parable and said, Rise up, Balak, and hear, hearken unto me, thou son of Zippor. God is not a man that he should lie, neither the son of man that he should repent. Hath he said unto, uh, hath he said, and shall he not do it? Or hath he spoken, and shall he not make it good? Behold, I have received commandment to bless, and he hath blessed and I cannot re re reverse it. He hath not beheld iniquity in Jacob, neither has he seen perverseness in Israel. The Lord his God is with him. The shout of the king is among them. God brought them out of Egypt, as it were, the strength of wild ox. Surely no, there is no enchantment against Jacob, neither is there any divination against Israel. According to this time it shall be said of Jacob and of Israel, What hath God wrought? Behold, the people shall rise up as a great lion and lift himself as a great lion. And uh, he shall not lie down until he eat of the prey and drink the blood of the slain. And Balak said unto Balaam, Neither curse them at all nor bless them at all. And he cut this out entirely. But Balaam answered and said unto Balak, Told I not thee, saying, All that the Lord speaketh that I must do. Now that you see the picture is so very clear 
uh, time after time as Balaam stood up wanting to curse the people, wanting to earn the rewards that Balak had offered, he couldn't do it. He just, he was an unwilling heart. He was a heart that rebelled against God. The, the tragedy is that, that uh, he said in one of the prophecies, let me die the death of a righteous. He wanted to die like a righteous man, but he didn't. Actually, Balaam died in the camp of the enemy. He still was on Balak's side to the very end. And he, but he could not curse the people. Why? Because God controls all blessing and cursing. Now, incidentally, um, I think that's a good lesson to us in terms of, of uh, things like uh, voodoo dolls and uh, uh, black magic and things of this nature. Keep in mind that God is, in, is still in control. God does not lose control. Greater is he is in you than he that is in the world. And uh, there is, a, there is the, the, a recognition that God is the one who has the power to control cursing. And so therefore, if someone curses you um, uh, or places a, some kind of a curse upon you as though they had some power, they can do nothing apart from God's permission. And by the same token, there may be individuals that claim that they can bless you, but God is the one that gives blessing. And I think we have to be very, very careful to recognize God will bless who he chooses to bless. He will bless in accordance with that which he has promised. There are certain things that, that one do, does in, in a recognition of God's power that brings the blessing of God upon your life. And the blessing of the Lord maketh rich and addeth no sorrow with it. But I cannot bless you. Another man cannot bless you. If one invokes a blessing upon you, what he's, all he can do is to, is to urge God to bring blessing. But God is the one that controls all blessing and all cursing. Second thing we want to see is that his presence confers blessing. Second Samuel 6 has a story that we want to look at. Second Samuel 6. Second Samuel 6, you have David, of course, uh, starting out by doing God's work in man's way, and it didn't work. He tried to move the ark with carnal methods like the Philistines had, and it didn't, uh, it didn't work. But it says in verse 11 that the ark of the Lord continued in the house of Obed-Edom, the Gittite, three months. And the Lord blessed Obed-Edom and all of his household. Now here you have a situation where when the Ark of the Covenant was among the Philistines, it brought them a curse. The Ark of the Covenant was, was a, uh, a box uh, made of shittim wood overlaid with gold uh, that was put into the Holy of Holies. And uh, the cherubim were upon the top of that ark. Inside were a number of objects which spoke of man's failure. Uh, the broken tables of the law, the uh, Aaron's rod that budded, uh, the manna uh, which God provided for their, their food, 
uh, all of which points really to the failure of man to do anything apart from God. And, uh, but over the cherubim, the Shekinah glory of God dwelt. In the time of Eli, the Shekinah glory of God departed from Israel. Uh, the, the Lord was so greatly grieved by Israel's sins that the presence of the Lord uh, did, not, uh, uh, did not any longer dwell. And uh, you remember that the people of Israel went forth and fought against the Philistines and were defeated. They came back and they talked to Hophni and Phinehas, the two sons of Eli, and they asked uh, that uh, uh, they, they might have some kind of a blessing uh, that would, uh, would bring uh, victory to their nation. And they suggested that they do what was unthinkable according to the law, and that was take the Ark of the Covenant and insert it into the battle. That is to carry that Ark before them as the presence of the Lord. The tragedy was the Hophni and Phinehas, because of their own wickedness and sin, were blind to the fact that God does not God God does not bless because of the presence of the Ark. He blesses when the people are right with Him. People made no attempt to repent and get right with God, but they used the Ark of the Covenant as sort of a fetish, as a good luck charm. Maybe if we take the Ark into the battle, then we'll have victory. And that was not the purpose of the ark at all. So they attempted this. But remember, the presence of the Lord had, uh, had pulled apart from the people for all practical purposes. And when they came into the battle with the Ark of the Covenant, several things happened. First of all, they were soundly defeated. Thousands of men died. Secondly, the, the Philistines captured the Ark of the Covenant. Now, the idea being then that the, the, the symbol here of the presence of God bestowed blessing upon that household and ultimately upon Israel. God's presence confers blessing. I'll tell you, beloved, we, we need, whenever we gather, to invoke God's presence upon us. Invoke, pray, O oh Lord, we, you promised you'd never leave us nor forsake us. We're counting on your presence being here. We're gathered here right now in the name of the Lord, in the presence of the Lord. And uh, if, if the presence of the Lord isn't here, then we might as well stay in bed this morning. I can't bless you. You're coming out uh, even sacrificially on a Wednesday morning and tearing yourself away from that warm bed and all of that is not going to bring blessing. Blessing comes from the Lord. And we want, that's why we want to enter into His presence. Now, admittedly, His presence is with you even in your bed. But uh, uh, we, we want to, whenever we gather, we want the presence of the Lord. It's the presence of the Lord that confers blessing. Now, in Deuteronomy chapter 10... And verse 8, it says, At that time the Lord set apart the tribe of Levi. Now notice the purpose of the nation of Levi. It's very, or the tribe of Levi. It's very important because they were the priests, and so are we today, all right? We are priests. They were to bear the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord. They were to stand before the Lord to minister unto him. And they were to bless in his name. 
Blessing comes in the name of the Lord. And it's only in His name that it can be blessed. The name of God always refers to His character. Always refers to who He is. Who He is in reality. Uh, his essence. His uh, attributes. That is what's referred to when we start talking about the name of the Lord. And uh, uh, the, the idea of blessing is, being, is blessing in His name. And the priest had that privilege. The privilege, if you please, of invoking blessing upon the people. God is the one that gives the blessing. They invoke the blessing and they, they do it in His name. The fourth thing that we mentioned is those who are wicked cannot bless or be blessed. Malachi chapter 2 and verse 2. Book of Malachi. Find Matthew and uh, go west. Malachi 2 and verse 2. Speaking now of the priests, and it says, And now, O ye priests, this commandment is for you. If ye will not hear, if you will not lay it to heart, to give glory unto my name, saith the Lord of hosts, I will even send a curse upon you, and I will curse your blessings. Yea, I have cursed them already, because you do not lay it to heart. You don't listen to what I have to say. You don't obey me. You're not in fellowship with me. And therefore, he says, I will curse your blessings. When an individual is not right with God, he has no ability to invoke the blessing of God. He has no ability to bring blessing. No blessing can be assured. When God, God may, in the, as in the case of Balaam, use a wicked person to uh, as a conduit through which he can give his blessing but he will he will not uh, allow that person himself to bring blessing nor to be blessed because the wicked cannot bless or be blessed Deuteronomy 28 talks about uh, the matter of blessing and cursing Deuteronomy 28. Very, 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 very clear um, progression here. Just listen to it for a minute. It shall come to pass, if thou shalt hearken diligently unto the voice of the Lord thy God, to observe and to do his commandments, which I command thee this day, that the Lord thy God will set thee on high above the nations of the earth. All the and all these blessings shall come on thee and overtake thee if thou shalt hearken to the voice of the Lord thy God. Alright? The nation of Israel is a covenant people. God says there are certain things that are going to bring blessing. Now listen to what he promises. Blessed shalt thou be in the city. Blessed shalt thou be in the field. Blessed shalt thou be uh, shall be the fruit of thy body. Now keep in mind, blessing means prosperity. Prosperity that comes from a hand of a higher power. So he tells them, blessed shall be the fruit of thy body, fruit of thy ground, fruit of thy cattle, increase of thy cows, flocks of thy sheep, 
Blessed shall be thy basket and thy kneading trough. Blessed shalt thou be when thou comest in. Blessed shalt thou be when thou goest out. The Lord shall cause thine enemies who rise up against thee to be smitten before thy face. They shall come out against thee one way and shall flee before thee seven ways. The Lord shall command the blessing upon thee in thy storehouses and in all that thou settest thy hand unto. And he shall bless thee in the land which the Lord thy God giveth thee. The Lord shall establish thee and holy people unto himself as he hath sworn unto thee. If thou shalt keep the commandments of the Lord thy God and walk in his ways. And all the people of the earth shall see that thou art called by the name of the Lord, and they shall be afraid of thee. And the Lord shall make thee plenteous in goods, and the fruit of thy body, and the fruit of thy cattle, and the fruit of thy ground, and the land wherein the, uh, the Lord swore, swore unto thy fathers to give, uh, to give thee. The Lord shall open unto thee his good treasure. The heavens shall give the rain unto thy land in its season to bless all the work of thine hand. And thou shalt lend unto many nations, and thou shalt not borrow. And the Lord shall make thee the head and not the tail, and thou shalt be above only, uh, and thou shalt not be beneath. If thou hearken unto the commandments of the Lord thy God, which I command thee this day to observe and to do them, and thou shalt not go aside from any of the words which I command thee this day to the right hand or to the left to go after other gods to serve them. All right, now that's pretty clear, isn't it? Uh, if a person is seeking prosperity, if a person is seeking blessing, I don't think you can find many areas where he would like to seek it apart from what's been stated. God says it's a simple formula. If you as my people obey my voice, if you do what you want, uh, do what I want you to do, you listen to what I have to say, then uh, this is what I'm promising you. I'm promising you my blessing. Greater to the lesser. You're going to have great blessing. All right? Now, read further. But it shall come to pass if thou wilt not hearken unto the voice of the Lord. All right? Got to, what's going to happen in case they don't? Still going to have the blessing of God? Let's see. It says, uh, Thou wilt not hearken unto the voice of the Lord thy God to observe all his commandments and his statutes which I command thee this day that all these curses shall come upon thee and overtake thee. Cursed shalt thou be in the city. Cursed shalt thou be in the field. Cursed shall be thy basket and thy kneading trough. Cursed shall be the fruit of thy body, the fruit of the land, the increase of the cows and the flocks of thy sheep. Cursed shalt thou be when thou comest in. Cursed shalt thou be when thou goest out. The Lord shall send upon thee cursing, vexation, and rebuke in all that thou settest thy hand to do, until thou be destroyed, and until thou perish quickly, because of the wickedness of thy doings, whereby thou, by thou hast forsaken me. <coughs> the Lord shall make the pestilence cling unto thee, until he have consumed thee from off the land to which thou goest to possess it. The Lord shall smite thee with a consumption, and with a fever, and with an inflammation, and with extreme burning, and with the sword, and with blight, and with mildew, they shall pursue thee until thou perish. Unto thy heaven, uh, and thy heaven that is over thee, uh, thy head shall be bronze, and the earth that is under thee shall be iron. And the Lord shall make uh, rain of thy land powder and dust. From heaven it shall come down upon thee until thou be de destroyed. The Lord will cause thee to be smitten before thine enemies. Thou shalt go one way against them and flee seven ways before them and shall be removed in, into all the kingdoms of the earth. Thy carcass shall be food unto the fowls of the air, unto the beasts of the earth, and no man shall drive them away. 
The Lord will smite thee with the boil of Egypt, and with the tumors, and with the scab, and with the itch. Therefore thou canst not be healed. I mean, this is a mess, isn't it? The Lord shall smite thee with madness, and blindness, and the astonishment of heart. And thou shalt grope at noonday, as the blind gropeth in darkness, and thou shalt not prosper in thy ways. Thou shalt uh, be only oppressed and spoiled evermore, and no man shall save thee. Thou shalt betroth a wife, and another man shall lie with her. Thou shalt build a house, and thou shalt not dwell therein. Thou shalt plant a vineyard, and shalt not gather the grapes thereof. Thine ox shall be slain before thine eyes, and thou shalt not eat thereof. Thine ass shall be violently taken away from before thy face, and shall not be restored unto thee. Thy sheep shall be given unto thine enemies, and thou shalt have none to rescue them. The sons, thy sons and thy daughters shall be given unto another people. Thine eyes shall look and fail with longing for them all the day long. There shall be no might in thy hand. The fruit of thy land and all thy labors shall a nation whom thou knowest not eat up. And thou shalt be only oppressed in Christ always. So that thou shalt be mad for the sight of thine eyes, which thou shalt see. The Lord shall smite thee in the knees and in the legs with sore boil that cannot be healed from the sole of thy foot to the top of thy head. Boy, that would be a lot of fun, wouldn't it? The Lord shall bring thee and the king whom thou shalt set over thee unto the nation whom thou, uh, thou uh, neither thou nor thy fathers have known. And thou shalt serve other gods, wood and stone. And thou shalt become an astonishment, a proverb and a byword among all the nations which the Lord shall lead thee. Thou shalt carry much seed out to the field and shalt gather little in, for the locusts shall consume it. Thou shalt plant vineyards and dress them, but shalt neither drink of the wine nor gather the grapes. For the worms shall eat them. Thou shalt have olive trees throughout all thy borders. That thou shalt not anoint thyself with oil. For thine olive shall cast its fruit. Thou shalt begat sons and daughters. That thou shalt not enjoy them. For they shall go into captivity. All thy trees and fruit of thy land shall the locusts consume. The sojourner who is within thee shall get up above thee very high, and thou shalt come down very low. He shall lend to thee, thou shalt not lend to him, and he shall be, be the head, and thou shalt be the tail. Moreover, all these curses shall come upon thee, and shall pursue thee, and overtake thee, till thou be destroyed, because thou hearkest not to the voice of the Lord thy God to keep his commandments and his statutes, which he commanded thee. And they shall be upon thee for a sign and a wonder, and upon thy seed forever." because thou servest not the Lord thy God with joyfulness, with gladness of heart, for the abundance of all things. Therefore shalt thou serve thine enemies, whom the Lord shall send against thee in hunger and in thirst and in nakedness and the lack of all things. He shall put a yoke of iron upon thy neck till, until he has destroyed thee. And then it goes on and talks about how the nations will invade and then how the people will be dispersed and the ultimate, uh, the ultimate uh, outcome of it all. Now, all of that just shows, God says, here, here are my commands. Here's, here's the pattern I've set up. And if you don't follow that, my blessing will be lifted. The curse will be upon you. The curse, of course, are the natural consequences because of sin. God makes that very clear. You cannot sin and get away with it. That's all there is to it. You decide to go go your own way. There are consequences. I I deal all the time with people facing the consequences of sin. 
Now you you get to the place where 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 you wonder what in the world you're doing. All that's happening to these people is exactly what God said would happen. That's all. And they come to you wanting out. And you tell them get right with God, and that's not what they want. They don't want to get right with God. They want to go their own way and do their own thing and still have the blessing of God. Guess what? I got no answers. Absolutely none. It can't happen. That's all. All you can do is give them a Band-Aid and a temporary salve for the moment. But you cannot bring the blessing of God upon their life. Because the blessing of God comes as they walk in, in, in conformity to the plan that God has for them. It's as clear as can be. And it, it seems so strange that, 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 that people uh, can't see the simplicity of it all. And I very seldom, very seldom have a person come into my office saying, Paul, I, 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 I have... Um, uh, I, I, I'm, I'm losing my business, or I'm, I'm, uh, I'm having uh, some deep problems, and I, I have no idea uh, what's wrong. I, as far as I know, my heart's right with the Lord. I've been faithful in service. I've been, I've been reading His Word daily. I've been spending time in prayer. I have my family life straightened around. I, I, I as far as I know, I'm, I'm obeying the Lord. And yet this has come, and I don't understand it. Now, it's not as though things like that don't happen to people. They do, but you see, the person who's walking with the Lord and reading the Word, he knows the solution. He knows God's faithfulness in spite of all that he loses. He doesn't have to go running to somebody to, to have him lick his wounds. Now, he may need fellowship, and he may need help. But he's not, the, he's not the common person who comes. No, the person who comes is the guy... Who, who says, uh, well, I, you see, a number of years ago, um, I got married. And um, I knew, that my, I, was, I was advised by, by uh, everyone that I shouldn't marry an unbeliever. And um, my parents advised against uh, my getting married at that time and to that person. And I didn't listen to them. And uh, now I'm married and uh, my wife is uh, unfaithful to me. And I don't know what to do. And uh, you say to the person, well, do you realize that you disobeyed God? Do you realize that what you did was a violation of biblical principle on several points? A lot of times they'll say, well, you know, can't cry over spilt milk, but I, I want to know how to solve the problem now. Well, the, the answer is, at this point, surrender yourself to God and, and get moving uh, get moving along in your Christian life, begin to grow. When a man's ways please the Lord, he makes even his enemies be a piece of Oh, I, that's not what I want. I want now to, you know, get out of this marriage. I want to get a fresh start. Well, two wrongs don't make a right. You can't get a fresh start. You're, you're dealing right now with the consequence of that thing, but there are more consequences if you take other action. You've got to do it God's way. God says do this. God says love your wife as you love yourself. Sacrificially no matter what she does. Oh, I can't do that. See? And they argue with you. You wonder why in the world you're wasting your time. Because all they're asking for is more cursing. That's all. 
You go a certain direction, there are certain consequences that are built in. You go another direction, there are certain blessings that are built in. Everybody wants to sow their wild oats and then pray for crop failure. And you see, crop failure doesn't happen. They, they reap what they sow. And it happens all the time. So those that are wicked, and w wicked again, raw means wrong. When you make a wrong move, a wrong step, when you do the wrong thing, particularly when you do it deliberately against what you know to be right, then you cannot bless, nor can you be blessed. Now those who are blessed manifest God's, he said, his kindness and his emit, his faithfulness. Uh, look, if you will, Deuteronomy 15. Deuteronomy 15. And verse 14. Thou shalt furnish him liberally out of thy flock and out of thy floor and out of thy winepress of that wherewith the Lord thy God hath blessed thee, shalt thou give unto him. You were to, um, in the, uh, the, the sabbatic year, there was the release of, a, of slaves. And uh, there had, there, the, at that point, all of the slaves had to be released. All of the Hebrew slaves had to be released. A man would in that day owe you a debt. Uh, if he would have been smart, he wouldn't have borrowed. But uh, he, the, the uh, uh, borrower becomes the slave of the lender. If the man cannot pay it back, he would come and work as a servant for the other man. But when the sabbatic year came along, uh, this was the way God regulated this whole matter of of servitude and uh, and proper uh, um, uh, care for those that have have found themselves in debt and so on. When they came to the sabbatic year, he had to be set free. All right, and uh, not only set free, but God, in order to demonstrate His character through people, required that they take of the blessing that God had given them and that they give them, which would amount to a fair wage. Now here they were slaves, but you got to, at this sabbatic year, you'd set, set all of them free, and, uh, and then you bestow all these blessings upon them. Why? Because that would be a demonstration of the mercy of God. God says, I've blessed you. Now you, in turn, as the greater to the lesser, bless them with the things that you have, uh, you be a conduit through which I bring my blessing to them so that they know and understand my mercy. Look, if you will, at 1 Samuel chapter 23. 1 Samuel 23, 21. Saul said, Blessed be ye of the Lord, for ye have compassion on me. Now Saul was not by any means uh, walking with the Lord here. But it's clear that he understood this principle, alright? He understood that the blessing of God should come upon David because the... The David demonstrated compassion 
which was a characteristic of God. And therefore, blessing and compassion were tied together. In 1 Kings chapter 10, 1 Kings chapter 10 and verse 9, Blessed be the Lord thy God, who delighted in thee to set thee on the throne of Israel, because the Lord loved Israel forever, therefore made he thee king to execute righteousness and judgment. God demonstrating his own character in uh, uh, giving the people Solomon. Because Solomon uh, was one who demonstrated the uh, faithfulness of the Lord. He was a gift of love to the people. God gave his blessing. God's kindness, God's uh, faithfulness is seen in what in, in that which he provides in the way of blessing. Now one other thing, and that's in Deuteronomy 29. Deuteronomy 29 and verse 18. There's a warning against idolatry in verses 16 and 17. Then verse 18 it says, Lest there should be among you man or woman or family or tribe whose heart turneth away this day from the Lord our God to go and to serve the gods of these nations. Lest there be among you a root that beareth gall and wormwood. And it shall come to pass, when he heareth the words of this curse, that he bless himself in his heart, saying, I shall have peace, though I walk in the imagination of my heart, to add drunkenness to thirst. The Lord will not spare him, but when the anger of the Lord and his jealousy shall smoke against the man, and all the curses that are written in this book shall lie upon him, the Lord shall blot out his name from under heaven. Now the principle here is, that when a person relies on the covenant, and when a person says, oh well, I'm a Christian. Today, that's what we'd say. Covenant that God has given to us, alright? Um, I'm a Christian. And since I'm a Christian, God loves me. He's a father to me. So nothing bad, nothing really bad can happen to me. And therefore, um, I can uh, live as I please, do as I please, go my own way, I bless my own soul, and say how uh, I'm, I'm going to be all right. Because after all, I'm a Christian. I believe in the security of the believer. Right? God says, blessing can not come that way, and you are courting disaster when you make such a claim. Now, we believe keenly in the security of the believer. But we also believe in the discipline of God. And there are some, in some ways, when you read your New Testament, that you should be convinced that it's almost better to do those things as a non-believer than it is to do the same things as a believer. Because God is a loving Father. He's not about to let you get away with sin. And He is going to come down hard on you 
Don't ever think that you can just say, all right, I'm going to live as I please. First place, a person that says that, you have to wonder whether he's a believer at all. No matter what he may have professed before that. Christ said, not everyone that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven. But he that does the will of my Father which is in heaven. You can't, you can't go around saying, oh, well, it doesn't matter how I live. It does matter how you live. When you accepted Christ, you accepted all of him, and he is Lord. And whether you recognize it for the moment or not, he still is Lord. He's boss. He's in charge. And he's going to take charge of you.